The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows. Hi, I'm Thomas Salerno, and you're listening to The Secrets of the Monsterverse, where we are discussing the cinematic universe from Legendary Pictures, featuring perhaps the biggest cinema stars of all time, in a literal sense, Godzilla and King Kong. And joining me today on the panel are Patrick Mason. Hello, Pat. Howdy, Tom. Hey, and Jeff Hecker. Hello there, Jeff. Hey, Thomas. And be sure, everybody, to follow The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your podcast app or directory of choice. And you can follow the show on the StarQuest YouTube channel as well. And please do us a favor by sharing the podcast with your friends. We've got a lot of great movies and TV shows lined up to discuss on the podcast very soon. And you can follow StarQuest on social media. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash starquestmedia or on Twitter slash X where we are at SQPN or on Instagram where we are at StarQuest Network. So I am very excited for this recording. I've actually wanted to do it for a while, but it took me a while to actually pitch this in our kind of SQPN behind the scenes Slack channel because I am a lifelong Godzilla fan. I have been a fan of monster movies for as long as I can remember. And I actually credit my mom, who also grew up on these movies, for introducing me to giant monsters. Her personal favorite was Rodan, the 1950s Rodan movie by Toho. And that I watched that when I was a kid, got me into Godzilla, King Kong, not just the Japanese giant monster movies, but the American ones, too, like Beast from 20,000 Fathoms, or the British ones, Gorgo, the giant behemoth. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I just love giant monsters, probably because I was such a huge dinosaur nut as a kid. And most of these monsters are basically giant dinosaurs. And the King, the original King Kong movie has tons of dinosaurs in it. So I've been watching these since I was a little kid. I loved the, the 90s Godzilla movies. And I will admit, when I was a kid, I was 10 years old in 1998 when the first American Godzilla movie came out, the infamous one. And <laughs> I, I make no apologies. I loved that movie as a kid. I haven't rewatched it recently, but as a kid, it was like the only thing we got as like an American Godzilla movie. So I just loved it. But I'm really glad that we've got this MonsterVerse now because I think they've properly done an American interpretation of these Japanese giant monsters. But I want to throw it out to you guys. Did either of you have a childhood connection to these monsters or is this something you've only started like watching recently with the new movies? What about you, Pat? So my childhood connection goes through an intermediary commonly known as MST3K. Ah, or Mystery Science Theater 3000. That was our family Sundays or not Sunday, Saturday evening thing we did. We all gathered around the TV and watched whatever Mystery Science Theater was on at the time. Comedy Central had it or like that we had taped <laughs> when it was on. And they do a lot of monster movies through the course of that show. And that was my first introduction to a lot of them was 
the badly dubbed American Godzilla and Rodan and the turtle. I can't remember the turtle's name. Gamera. Gamera. Yeah. Yes. They really, they did a lot of the Gamera movies, if I remember right. Because a lot of the Gamera um, movies are insane. Yeah. And so that was my primary introduction to him. And I had some friends in college who, who were like nuts. They had every movie and they, I would watch a couple with them. And I, I could not get into the originals very well. But when the new one came out, when Kong Skull Island came out, I missed seeing Godzilla. But when I started to realize this was an interconnected like universe mm. thing with the monarch stuff, then it like it tweaked that part of my brain that said, this is a world. <laughs> and they yeah. built a world and I get to explore it if I watch these movies. So I started getting really, really into it. As a side note, the, the King Kong movie with Jack Black was was one of the movies I've never been angrier walking out of a movie in my really? entire life. Yes. I, I was disappointed with it, but I wasn't angry. Why, why were you angry? I, I want to know this. Every scene was just so literally ridiculous and amped up to a thousand degrees. And, and it was three hours long and, yeah. and there was no time to breathe or to really, if there was a story in there to get to the story, like it just... I don't know. It's just so frustrating. What killed, what killed it for me was that infamous ice skating scene in that where oh, King Kong and the yeah. girl are sliding along a frozen pond in Central Park <laughs> and it's quasi romantic. And I'm just like, Ugh, come on. No. Yeah. <laughs> like, no. Yeah, yeah, and I don't so much like that movie, but the world around it I have. And I spent a stupid amount of money on eBay to get a copy of this because my original copy, I don't know what happened to it, but it was a book put out by Weta Workshop because they worked on that film called The World of Kong. And it's basically a field guide to all the different dinosaurs and other creatures on the island. And I'm a sucker for in-universe field guides and stuff, so I had to lay down a stupid amount of money to get a new a replacement copy. But yeah, it's that's the thing. For a while, we didn't really have a lot of giant monster movies in America. Sometimes you'd get the Japan one of the Japanese ones in theaters. Like Godzilla 2000 came out in American mm -hmm. theaters. And I, I saw that one in theaters. That was great. But you didn't really get a lot of American-made giant monster movies until, I think, Pacific Rim. And even for a while, they were toying the idea of tying these new Godzilla movies into Pacific Rim. They ultimately didn't go that direction. I'm glad it's its own thing and it's not with the bag. I liked that Pacific Rim is its own kind of cool yeah. universe. You don't need, yeah, it would be cool to do a multiverse thing, but keep each one storyline separate. But was so excited when they announced they were doing these because I'm like, yes, finally, we're going to get a proper a proper Godzilla. And I even like the Japanese ones from like the 90s. Probably like the 1990s Japanese ones. The Heisei era is like my favorite era of Godzilla. That starts with Godzilla 1985, which is a lot like Godzilla 2014 in tone. If you like the tone of the 2014 Godzilla, 85 will scratch that itch. And then it goes on. Oh, God Godzilla versus Biolanti. Underrated movie. Godzilla fights a human plant Godzilla hybrid. It, huh. It's with a subplot <laughs> of Arabian oil chic assassins. 
it's <laughs> with an awesome <laughs> okay. 80s rock soundtrack. It, it's <laughs> it's great. It's great. It, me explaining it does not convey how cool this movie is. But anyway, I'm getting See, I'm getting off track because I, I just love this stuff. But OK, Jeff, did, did you have any connection to giant monsters of any kind as a kid? Or is this something you've only become aware of later? I'm trying to think of the first probably the first giant monster thing that I was a fan of. I'm trying to th- it was probably. It's not really monsters per se, but Jurassic Park, or like I love Jurassic Park mm. movies and the, the giant dinosaurs and giant creatures and such. And then it's not really it's monsters per like Godzilla type monsters but I was a big Power Rangers kid that came out right when I was a kid so like oh, I saw yeah. Power Rangers mm-hmm. so like they had all the monsters there and then the Godzilla connection I'm pretty sure this is the first Godzilla thing I saw was did y'all ever watch like the 1980s Hanna-Barbera cartoon Godzilla no I've seen clips of it right. more recently but I'm yeah, aware that it existed yeah yeah, it's, it's not great, but it was something that was on Cartoon Network back in the day and when I would watch it. So that's probably the first Godzilla thing I've seen, I saw. And then I've, I did see the 90s one in the theaters. Um, I've never seen any of the original Japanese ones, which I do want to check those out at some point. But yeah, the first one I probably saw was the 90s one. And we were joking beforehand. At one point, I owned the soundtrack to that movie. So yeah. I, I did own some Godzilla merch there, but... And then, yeah, you mentioned Pacific Rims, which was great. And I love that. So I was definitely excited when the new, when they rebooted it again, but in a better way. And I've seen, I only saw Godzilla in the theaters, the rest I've seen since then. But yeah, I've really enjoyed those. And there's actually, if, I don't know if y'all seen these, just as a s- small tangent, there's some n- anime Netflix films for Godzilla that yeah. are like far future where humanity's left Earth because of. I think I think in this one Godzilla is more of a I've seen the first couple it's been a few years but Godzilla is more of a villain who who is part of the reason humanity left Earth and they have to like go back with the help of some aliens and find a Mecha Godzilla to yeah <laughs> retake their home world kind of thing yeah I wasn't impressed with the first of those anime movies so I didn't watch the other ones okay but I yeah think- I, I think I've seen the second and there I think there are three and I've seen two but. Yeah, I was just going to say those are I'm a big fan of just the character, the the franchise, like a, in, in a looser term, like of all of the Godzilla stuff. So I do want to and I, of course, have seen clips of the old stuff and the, never watched the whole movie, but one of the original movies. But I, at some point, I'd like to check those out. But yeah, I've been a big fan of the MonsterVerse films. I have wish I could have seen more of them in the theaters just because they're such a big I love the big spectacle set oh, piece yeah. of them. And I, I just want to put this one thing out there because i have a controversial opinion i do not like shin godzilla the new japanese one i did not like that film is that that's an anime right no that you'd think it was because it's it takes so much from inspiration from contemporary anime but i feel that's to its detriment It, it doesn't feel like a godzilla movie to me anyway it feels more like and it was clearly not aimed at all at a broad audience. This was made for the Japanese market specifically. You and you can tell. And which is fine, but it mean and I know I'm in a minority in terms of a lot of Godzilla fans love that movie. They swear by it. I did not like it at all. I actually came out of that was one I came out of the theater angry. I was mm-hmm. like, no, this wasn't a Godzilla movie. This was like Attack on Titan. 
or something. Okay. I do like Attack on Titan. <laughs> I, and I'm, I, I say that as someone who's only seen clips from that. It's just that it, it just struck me as there was so much about and I don't want to go on a huge rant about Shin Godzilla or I'll be doing that all night. But <laughs> I prefer I am excited for Godzilla minus one. The next Japanese one that should be coming out, I think, this year or next. They released a trailer for it, and it looks like they're going back to Godzilla's roots. It's set in the 50s. There is So it's a period piece, and they're getting back to his roots as like a post-atomic kind of monster. So I'm glad to see that. That that's another thing. Like the Shin Godzilla relies heavily on you knowing a lot about the Fukushima nuclear disaster. Which is interesting, but I felt that the allegory was so heavy-handed, it hits you in the face like a brick. There was nothing, like, subtle about it. But anyway, I like, though, that and that these American movies are clearly set up as a cinematic universe, because that's what the original Godzilla movies became. Like, of course, I'm sure they planned the first one in 1954 as just a one-off monster movie. But the popularity of it, both in Japan and in the United States, became so phenomenal that they had to start making sequels. And they Toho started making the production company started making other monster movies, Mothra, Rodan, that were initially unconnected to Godzilla. Then finally, in Ghidorah, the three-headed monster, they brought all those monsters together in like an Avengers stop proto Avengers style team up <laughs> movie. So Godzilla movies were doing the epic hero crossover long before like it was ever thought of here in the States and you could even attempt something like that. And what in terms of cinematic universes, because of the success of the MCU, every studio thinks they have to try and do one. There was that ill fated attempt to resurrect the universal monster cinematic universe. And then yeah. and DC cinematic universe has always struggled to find its speed. So what do you, how do you think that legendary pictures and Warner brothers have handled the monster verse as a cinematic universe? I think part of it is just, you have the initial draw of Godzilla. Like everyone, People who've never seen a Godzilla movie or anything Godzilla, they know what who Godzilla is just from the cultural osmosis of pop culture or not even pop, just like general culture. So I think there's that draw of like, you have people who who haven't heard of it but may be interested. You have people who are fans of it like us who will go and see it and they'll bring their families as they especially as they start to have families and such. So I think and just they're well made. Even the middle couple, or I guess it might have only been the the third one, the one out, the first Godzilla after Kong. I forget the specific one. King um, of the Monsters. Yeah, that one. It wasn't the best one, but it's still a well made. Like it looks awesome. Like if you're there to see monsters fight, and you get that in in spades. So I don't know. I think it's just it, it's just it's hard not to. I guess. I should say it's hard not to mess up, but the 90s Godzilla <laughs> existed and obviously wasn't continued in any way. Except for um, the animated think, series. Yeah. Godzilla, the animated series, is actually a lot of fun. It's better than it has any okay. right to be. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think it's just a lot of things. But ultimately, like, it's a, the movies, they look cool. They're, it's a fun movie to go see. And 
just it's an experience i feel like to just and and I'm, i feel that way about a lot of movies i'll i enjoy going and just seeing a movie just for the experience of seeing it in the theater versus seeing it in my house and unfortunately i didn't get to see as many of these but i definitely planning to see the next one in theaters mm. when it comes out what do you think pat yeah i think i think they learned from what the mcu did well and from what Transformers and the DCU, DCEU did very badly. I think they learned that pacing is really the ultimate guide, right? And so they start with Godzilla, right? And it's, it could be a standalone film, but maybe not. And they do the same kind of thing Marvel does where they plant that Easter egg, which is John Goodman sitting on a beach in the South Pacific watching a nuclear blast, right? And then Kong Skull Island comes out and it's set back in the 70s, right? And it's not even, there's no obvious direct connection until Goodman shows up on the screen. And unless you've put that together, you're like, wait a minute uh-huh. <laughs> until you get further, until the very end of the film where they talk about the the Monarch program and everything. And I think... They, the way the MCU sort of slow rolled into this is a bigger universe and the way they the MCU jumped times with Captain America and, and the other Avengers. So I think they did that really well. And they also, I think they've done a good job of not overcrowding the movies, which is the big problem the DCEU had, which is they were jamming too many movies within one movie. Like any given movie was like at least three, if not five. (laughs) Except Wonder Woman was really the only one that was a a single movie. Man of Steel, okay, that went too. But the the rest of them, even Aquaman was at least two movies. But they did a good job. Even in the, when you got to the big, all the monsters show up movie, it didn't feel like they were cramming all of that in. And... In the the Godzilla versus Kong, even though you have Mecha Godzilla show up, it didn't feel crammed in. It didn't feel like I was being forced to watch two movies when I should have been watching one. No. And then they learned very well what Transformers never seems to learn, and that is I am watching this movie to see giant things fight each other. I'm not here to hear dialogue. I'm not here to hear a bunch of wisecrack jokes from some teenager or 20-year-old kid. I'm here to watch giant monsters fight each other. (laughs) And that is the focus of the films. And I love how one of my friends put it. I think I I, got to the King of the Monsters. I walked out and I was like, yeah, it was good. I just, the dialogue wasn't great. And he was like, what are you talking about? The dialogue was great. It was, (laughs) okay, you got me. That was the important dialogue. Mm -hmm. And so I think they've done a good job learning from both the good and the bad from the other uh, MCUs. And you don't have to do it that well, right? This isn't a product we're all expecting to be absolutely amazing, right? And you go look at the original Godzilla, and it was it's a lot of fun, but it's, it's not the most amazingly produced movie ever made. <laughs> so I think they did a good job with it, a very good job. I would probably classify it as probably the second best Marvel. Yeah, I'm biased because I love this stuff. And it's it's just, man, like, I, I walk out of these movies happy. I've not been disappointed yet. Because to me, it, it it's a childhood nostalgia thing. And just getting to see these creatures fully realize, like you said, like, the people, like, the, critics complain about the dialogue in these movies. I'm like, have you not watched some of the older Japanese ones? And I don't mean just the dubs. Some, the <laughs> The actual Japanese dialogue's not that great either. 
So it's like th- these movies have never been about that. Or people complain. I saw one YouTube critic saying the science in these movies makes no sense. And I'm like, wait a minute. I'm like, okay. You mean there's you mean there's not a there's not a hollow earth of an ancient human civilization that worshiped Godzilla? That doesn't make sense. Yeah, I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. What about Godzilla versus Gigan? Radiation? No, yeah. What about Godzilla versus Gigan from 1976? Cockroach aliens in human suits from a garbage planet build a theme park where there's a giant Godzilla like tower that controls the other monsters. And one of the monsters is like a big parrot lizard cyborg thing with a buzzsaw (laughs) in its chest. And the other monster is Ghidorah, a three headed dragon. I'm like, so I'm like, you're telling me that these movies have never made any sense. That's part of the fun of them. <laughs> that makes perfect sense to me. I don't know what you're talking yeah. about. Obviously. <laughs> of course there's a buzzsaw on its chest. It's it just chest. makes sense. Yeah. Or I love when, like, the in the original Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla, the aliens explain who they are. They're like, we are the aliens from the third planet of the black hole. I'm like, what does that even mean? But it's great. It's, Yeah. <laughs> I go to these movies to basically relive my childhood and they deliver. So I'm almost never disappointed. But it's funny because the first of these movies, the 2014 Godzilla, I think among fans is actually the most divisive because the main critiques I've heard of it are that Godzilla's not in it enough. That and they tend to cut away from the fight scenes to character stuff. People also complain that Brian Cranston's character dies halfway through the movie and they would rather have seen him through the whole thing. And also the other complaint is not a problem with the movie. It's a problem with the home video version, which is that the transfer to the Blu-ray is not good because the entire fight scene, you you can't see a thing on the Blu-ray. It's too dark. I don't know how it is on streaming, but if you try to watch the Godzilla 2014 Blu-ray, it's like trying to watch the Blu-ray of Zero Dark Thirty. You can't see a thing. <laughs> and yeah, but in in the movies, that, that third act fight in Godzilla was fantastic. But people tend to say that the Blu-ray, it stinks. And but yes, specifically the cr- the critiques that Godzilla's not in it enough and that the human character everybody likes gets axed halfway through the movie. I don't know if either of you noticed those. I remember when it, I remember when I first saw it and I, cause I knew Brian Cranston when his, was in it and I was a you know fan of breaking bad and back in the middle, all that stuff. So I remember being a little bit surprised he died in the movie earlier on, but it didn't like, it didn't bother me in any way. Um, but again, I'm there to see a Godzilla. I'm yeah. see Godzilla fight monsters anything it like you we were saying anything with like in the transformers like i'm there to see these giant things fight i'm not there to hear humans talking to each other and it was better than the that the human dialogue was better in these movies than transformers <laughs> and i do yeah. the transformers movies but yeah they do it better and yeah you had some, i forget who plays brian cranston's son who's the soldier um, oh yeah his but, name is but i yeah, I forget who it is. And but then you have Elizabeth Olsen in there as the mom, yeah. Yeah, or as uh, yeah, as the wife of the of her, of Brian Cranston's son. You have some big names in it and Ken Watanabe. Um, oh, he's great. He's great, yeah. Yeah. So, A connection um, to the original 1954 Godzilla. His character is called Serizawa. 
And that was the name of the scientist in the original Japanese Godzilla from 1954. So it's a very, oh, okay. it's a very cool homage, at which they continue later in Godzilla King of the Monsters. That oxygen destroyer weapon is used in the original 1954 film. Specifically, Serizawa invents it. So they... So I like all these references. And yeah, I like Watanabe being in the, the kind of character to introduce our new characters to this world of giant monsters. I didn't notice when I saw the film in theaters that they do tend to cut away from the monster battles quite a bit. Yeah. I, that, that was my main issue was that, and I didn't see it until after Kong and maybe even after until after I watched... King of the Monsters. So that one, it was very stark at that point. Like how much screen time was dedicated to giant monsters fighting and one movie versus another movie. And I thought the original Godzilla, it it seemed to be trying to show things from the human's perspective, which would be a lot of, oh, he disappeared behind a building again. Yeah. But while that's interesting and cool, and the, there were, I feel like there were a lot of, alien-ish kind of movies in that time frame that had that same sort of feel to it where you never really cloverfield cloverfield and uh, there were battle los angeles battle los angeles god there was another one another alien movies where you didn't really see the aliens very much because you were on the shoulder of the humans and that it felt like it was shot in that sort of a way which is not as fun for a godzilla movie no, yeah. <laughs> just the big aerial showing the two giants fight each other. I'm actually interested, Pat, to get your opinion on how they handled in the first sequence of the movie, the nuclear meltdown. Because I know you are a nuclear engineer. Yeah. I Anytime I walk into a movie and I know there's going to be a nuclear aspect, I just I have to shut that part of my brain down. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, if I sit here and analyze this, I'm going to hate this thing. <laughs> it was interesting. I, like it was it part of me was like okay first off you don't have those kind of typically you don't have those kind of safeguards where it's oh no you're gonna lock your wife in there and you're gonna have no chance of getting her out i'm like that's not how this stuff typically works like that the airlock systems and the uh, and then that and then the way the meltdown was i'm like that's that's far too explosive (laughs) (laughs) meltdowns are slow creeping terrors they're really Uh more of blobs if you want to if you want to associate them with a giant monster oh yeah (laughs) the blob yeah it's it's really more of the blob and it's like about containing the blob is really what you're trying to do and so the concept that it was it was explosive or semi-explosive was a little i was like and like you you can get there if you're at a power plant and certain terrible things go wrong. But for the most part, especially at a research facility with a nuclear reactor, you're not going to have an explosion. <laughs> no. Yeah, I get. Yeah, that doesn't. Make, and of course, the silly to the nth degree. But again, this was in the Japanese ones is that these creatures eat radiation. And not only does it not kill them, it makes them stronger. Which is funny because the characters in the movies never seem to realize this. They're always like, hey, let's set a nuke off next to Godzilla. That'll kill him. I'm like, no, it'll just make him stronger. <laughs> it's going to supercharge him. Well, that's what they realize in King of the Monsters. Of the Monsters that's, yeah. how, that's how they heal Godzilla. Heal him, yeah. It's supposed to be like the Bikini Atoll nuclear yeah. test. And it has the <laughs> anti-Godzilla graffiti 
on the atomic <laughs> bomb, which and I like that an atomic bomb can go off right next to Godzilla and it does nothing, but essentially makes him a whole lot stronger. I like that they worked in the kind of sort of period type looking footage for that, especially I think it's in the opening sequence where they, they have all the film grain and it's in black and white. That's really yeah. neat. Yeah, that's like that. and that's it's funny because I don't think. Like I've watched that footage on my own because of my background, and that's why I could pick out John Goodman as quick as I did. Because I'm like, he's not there. Who is that? That's John Goodman. <laughs> like what? Yeah, they I reshot have to go back this and, sequence. Yeah. <laughs> See, yeah, but you, when you're talking about that, I don't know that I realized he was, and maybe he was in post credits or something. I don't remember John Goodman being in Godzilla. I've, I've remember him no, he, Kong, but just that opening sequence where he oh, is God. like sitting yeah, on the beach wearing the glasses with all the other people, uh, and I, it looks almost exactly like the actual footage but because i've seen the actual footage i'm like something's not right, right. wait a minute and then he shows up in kong and i'm like oh my gosh this is awesome <laughs> yeah so now the real question is with oppenheimer coming out are they gonna somehow put oppenheimer into the monster interesting of like- connection with oppenheimer when the when they did the original teaser trailer for the 2014 godzilla movie it was just shots of a destroyed city with Godzilla moving through like all the kind of dust and debris in the background. And they put Oppenheimer's famous voiceover about the destroyer of worlds over mm. that footage. And that was the teaser trailer. Interesting. Yeah, it was. Yeah, so I just want to, I want to see the version of Oppenheimer that has him knowing that it's about a monster and, yeah. <laughs> and building the bomb to fight <laughs> the, the monster would, more than anything. Nice. That, yeah, somebody needs like to a, do that now. That's amazing. What was that? It was a really short set of cartoons. It was like amazing. The Adventures of the Amazing Screw on Head. Oh yeah, that was, yeah. It strikes me as one of those storylines. <laughs> working for Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> I liked how with the human plot, like unlike a Transformers movie where I just want all the human beings to die. In this movie, it's so true. Yeah, I, I actually got kind of invested in Brian Cranston's character and his son, especially because Brian Cranston's character he firmly believes in all this stuff, and his son just can't get on board. He thinks his dad's crazy, and his dad kind of became so obsessed with this he ruined their lives, and the whole theme of family kind of runs. And I felt that they did a good job. Of course, you're there to see the giant monsters. But I felt they did a good job of at least giving the human storyline some weight to it. You want to see Soldier Guy get back to his wife and kids. And he's a competent person who knows what he's doing. So you can get on board with what he does. Oh, I don't know. Do atomic bombs really have those clocks on them, (laughs) Pat, that they... (laughs) Uh, no i guess not no generally not (laughs) i guess if you want to put one on one you could but why would you (laughs) because the whole third act is about them trying to get to the loose nukes so they can shut off this this clock that's slowly counting down to zero yeah that mechanism that they like oh this is a really old one and it has the clockwork mechanism like no they did that (laughs) <laughs> but again, yeah, if you start to pick <sighs> apart these movies, but it's like, why would you? Exactly. Yeah. I'm just going to turn that part of my brain off. That's okay. Yeah, funny enough, I really loved how they handled the radiation stuff in 
Godzilla King of the Monsters. Oh, okay. Um, with Godzilla down in the the sunken city that was super irradiated, he's trying to, and the the scientist takes Serizawa yeah, yeah. to him. Yeah, I thought that was like already bought into. Yeah, radiation makes this guy stronger for some reason. Like the Hulk, <laughs> yeah, right, the gamma yeah. rays. And that this was like, I like how they handled that. This was obviously a sacrifice. And this, if you went in there, you weren't going to come out. And yes, this, this is, you're treating radiation correctly. <laughs> yeah. It was a total inverse of the ending scene from the 54 movie where Sarazawa goes down to an sunken area with the oxygen destroyer to kill Godzilla. And they very cleverly reversed it. In this movie where he's going down with the atomic weapon to revive Godzilla. In both cases, he sacrifices himself. That's what I love about, especially about King of the Monsters. The director of that movie is clearly a fan of the old Japanese ones. And if you're like me and you've seen most of those, there are so many things that I'm picking out going, oh, there's an homage. There's an homage. It's an entertaining movie on its own. But if you're like me and you just can't get enough of this stuff and you're such a fan of the old ones... There's so much there. In fact, I might actually save Skull Island for... I might just go to King of the Monsters now and then do Skull Island because we're already talking about it. King of the Monsters, I like... Yeah, I like that it's very much an homage to the older Japanese ones in the Showa era because the first... Godzilla 2014 is more of a darker, semi-realistic take on this stuff, more like Godzilla 1985 or like the original 54 film. Whereas King of the Monsters is essentially a remake of Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster, which I want to say was in the early 60s. Because it has the same monsters in it. It's Godzilla, Rodan, Mothra, and King Ghidorah are the main monsters, just like in Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster. And in terms of a remake, it's a really good remake. And I watched a behind-the-scenes video a few years back where they were interviewing the director and he was talking about how he wanted to give the monsters a kind of apocalyptic presence. And when he said that he meant apocalypse as in the book of revelation, he's, I want these to have a biblical monster kind of presence. And I was like, he gets it. He gets yeah, cause, it. Cause wasn't there like a, it was like a death, like a cult was like worship Ghidorah in this, right? Like they were, well, that they, was in the anime like, in this. It's more like, the, no. Oh, in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I want to say it was like, cause there were like, they were legends, right? No, I'm talking about like before, oh, like in the, the ancient, ancient times, yeah. there was, yeah, there was like a cult that or civilizations knew about Ghidorah and worship Ghidorah. And yeah, so it's all, yeah, that was very interesting. Cause I'm, and I'm a big history buff. So I'm like, Okay, I could see how if there's a giant three-headed monster in real life, how that might generate that by religion around that. Yeah, and it's almost like that video game. I used to play it in the arcades as a kid. Primal Rage. Oh, yeah. Primal, Primal Rage. Rage, where you know, it was these giant dinosaur monsters. And they, they I think they got stronger by eating their little worshippers yeah. on the screen. Yeah. Yeah, that, that actually, I just thought of this. So, like, you have... In in Godzilla 2014, you have almost a, a cult or forming around Godzilla, like not in a religious sense per se, but just like you have Monarch and like you have Ken or Sirizawa is obsessed with Godzilla. And then in in Kong Skull Island, just to touch on that, you have yeah, there was a human what because it wasn't there humans on the island that like worship yep. that worship Kong. And I know that's from the originals and whatnot, too. 
And then in this, you have this death. So there's definitely like a religious theme of like worship going on to either obsession, worship, whatever you want to call it going on in that. But yeah, I don't know if that we'll see any more of that in the upcoming stuff, but I definitely think so. And because Ghidorah is almost the perfect monster for that because he's he's such a diabolical figure. And even in some of the older movies, he always had worshipers. He had attendants who followed him around as like this god of death. And he's like a diabolical figure because he's a mockery of the Trinity. He has three heads, but he's one being. But the three heads are constantly at war with one another, almost like Diabolos means the divider, the scatterer. He's like this mockery of the Trinity. He's this overtly diabolical figure to the point where I know they did this on purpose. That scene where he's where Ghidorah is awakening Rodan from the volcano as they pull out. There's like the top of a church steeple and the cross is set up almost in opposition to this three headed demon dragon in the background of the shot. And I was like. Wow, that that was very stunning religious imagery. That yeah, Ghidorah he harkens to the seven-headed dragon of Revelation. He is a diabolical figure and kind of this mockery of the Trinity. And and even in in one of the Godzilla novels I read as a kid, the novel was called Godzilla Two Thousand, unconnected to the movie of the same name. But in the novel, they explicitly connect Ghidorah to the Antichrist. And in fact, they use one of the Nostradamus prophecies that is said to refer to the Antichrist, to refer to Ghidorah, that from the sky shall come the great king of terror. And in the fan community, king of terror has become one of Ghidorah's kind of titles, that he's the great king of terror. He's this Antichrist kind of figure. Anyway, if, if you go and lit, by the way, Bear McCreary did the music to this movie, and it's amazing. And if you go and listen to the Ghidorah sound, the Ghidorah track, it is supremely unsettling. <laughs> it is very disturbing. It's got all this eerie chant in the background. You're just like, it makes your skin crawl. And I feel like it's supposed to. I, they did such a good job with Ghidorah as a villain. What did you think of him as? Because in, in the original movie, in the Japanese movies, he's always the main villain of Godzilla. So how do you think? They came across introducing not just him, but these other monsters all in the same movie. You get so it's interesting because you have Godzilla move from this. He's a monster into he's a um, savior. So he's he is he might be a monster, but he's our monster or, <laughs> or the way one of them puts it. We're, we're going to be his pets. <laughs> thing. Right, yeah. But you get this the sort of. Godzilla versus Ghidorah set up and Ghidorah is from space, right? He's not of Earth and he's from elsewhere. And the other monsters are either going to follow, end up following Godzilla or, oh man, why do I keep blanking on his name? Ghidorah. And it's interesting the kind of world vision feel you get about Ghidorah is the humans will end up having to worship him. They'll be treated like nothing they'll be at the behest of whatever local monster who's following Ghidorah that there's going to be it's basically enslavement is what humanity's looking at if Ghidorah wins whereas with Godzilla 
what we've gotten from him so far is that he's mostly going to leave you alone. Like he's going to let you run your course with your own free will and, and you're going to do your thing. And so I think that's a very, to me, it's a very clear fight between an enslaved humanity and a free humanity. And that's what the two monsters like represent symbolically and what their fight represents. Um, yeah, not even, not even enslaved more <laughs> just because I don't think a door, he doesn't care one way or the other. He's just going to destroy things and eat a, Probably, I guess if Ghidorah has the intelligence to have know what humanity is, he'd be like, "Oh, you can round up, you can make food for me, you can by making more people, and they can, <laughs> yeah, you can <laughs> no, eat, that's be my very food him, and, yeah, yeah." And Godzilla's the this they call him like a mega predator who because uh, in the first one he's it's the I I don't know if these are from Godzilla canon, but like the Mutos in the first one, they're just like two other monsters and Godzilla's wakes up to hunt them down and destroy them. So you, they say that he's like, he only wakes up when these giant things are threatening. Cause he's like the super predator that's there to take him out. And yeah, in this, in King of the monsters, it's, I forget the name of the organization, but they're organizations. Like they basically, they're like super climate activists. And so yeah. they want to <laughs> kill all humanity to save the planet is what their goal is I guess. by waking up all these monsters, which and that's when you get, Mothra and, and Godzilla teaming up to to fight them because yeah I forget it, it's been a while since I've watched that one but I because wasn't it they needed Mothra's call to call Godzilla I think or was it to call the other monsters or I think it was to call Godzilla that was interesting I liked that because Godzilla and Mothra in the sort of canon of like the Japanese films have always had a complex relationship. They're either enemies or allies, and they've never had a kind of stable relationship. Whereas in this movie, they say that they're symbiotic species, that they need one another. And I thought that was very, and they almost made Mothra kind of Mrs. Godzilla in a way, mm -hmm, yeah, <laughs> which was very interesting. And again, Bear McCreary did a great job with the music. He worked in the classical Mothra theme from the Japanese movies which was very cool. And yeah, she's always been more of a spiritual figure. She's the nonviolent monster, although she fights when she has to. But she's always the kind of gentle sort of protectress of humanity and of the earth, specifically. She represents the natural balance. Whereas Godzilla is, like, they say, like you said, Jeff, he's the predator. He's the alpha predator. He goes out and gets done what needs to be done through brute force. <laughs> Mothra's, no, let's cooperate with humanity. Maybe that's an option. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see in the future films if they ever talk about how these, like, why are all these giant monsters, like, how are they connected? Because there's some sort of, because the cult organization in King of the Monsters has, like, a device that will wake up the monster. So it's, there's some kind of shared evolution, shared something or other that will awaken these things and we see some of that in in the in kong versus godzilla like going into the hollow earth like where kong comes from which we can get into that whenever we get to it but so it's almost like i wonder if these monsters all come from that area and they've made their way into our world for lack of a better term yeah migrated topside <laughs> yeah there you go and i expect to see mothra again because in the japanese movie she always reincarnates so I expect to see her again. Mothra can never be truly killed. And I believe at the end of, in the end credits where they're showing all these news clippings, 
in King of the Monsters. I believe they show Mothra's giant egg in one of the news clippings. Yeah, because mysterious wasn't... giant egg washes ashore. I'm like, ah, <laughs> there she is. She'll well, be back. Wasn't in the film was wasn't she a cocoon? Like she was in a cocoon or chrysalis or whatever. So it's like. She's already, it's not the same Mothra probably that Godzilla may have known before. It's, it's yeah, it's a, it's like the immortal with their, with their, their human or the immortal with the mortal who has, a, who's been friends with all of the mortals descendants through, throughout right. all time. Like yeah, it's the same kind exactly. Of yeah. And by the way, the, before I forget the funny story about this movie is that, so whenever they were coming out with a new MonsterVerse film, my brother and I would go to see it together and in the cars, we drove to our local movie theater. We would play Blue Oyster Cult's Godzilla, <laughs> hope, <laughs> hoping against hope that it would be the end credit music. And when it finally was in God, King of the Monsters, we both cheered out loud. I was like, yes, finally! <laughs> Go Godzilla! That was just perfect. That was perfection. And King of the Monsters is probably my favorite out of the four of them, just because of how heavily it's referencing the 50s and 60s ones, which I grew up on. But Kong Skull Island is also really cool because it's it's the kind of King Kong movie that we haven't seen before. It's a Vietnam War movie that happens to star King Kong. Or actually, yeah. I think just Kong. I think legally Universal owns the title King Kong. So they can only Warner Brothers can only use Kong. But anyway, I'm just going to call him King Kong. It, it's such a cool movie. It's a Vietnam War movie with monsters. And it has those themes of revenge and war brutalizing people. Samuel L. Jackson does a, a great job yes. as like the revenge. What did you guys think of that? Of this whole kind of revenge quest against King Kong? It's hard to hate Samuel L. Jackson yeah. doing anything. So <laughs> that's true. Even though he's a villain, you're like, it's Samuel L. Jackson. He's fun to watch doing whatever he does. Sort of. I, I think it. I think it speaks very. I think it does a good job uh, doing the morality tale, which is that revenge often is ends up as a worse fate than you were hoping to get, um, and and not just for when you set out for revenge, dig two graves, as the right. saying goes. Yeah, exactly. Because that is basically. It goes from being a, okay, we're on a rescue op to I'm going to take this thing down no matter what because it killed this guy. And now it's killed this guy and this guy. And now this guy and this guy. And you're like, at what point do we call, we just call it quits? <laughs> he's, yeah, it's, he's Nemo and, the, and Moby Dick. He's the. That's right. Yeah. And again, awesome, awesome soundtrack with the, the classic uh, 70s rock and roll. That was great. When I first heard this movie, it wouldn't be the kind of Skull Island from the black and white 1933 King Kong. There's not going to be any true dinosaurs on the island. I was a little bit disappointed. But then when I saw the movie, it was great. I like how they inter they first introduced the hollow earth thing in this movie. And you have the main sort of monster antagonists are these skull crawler creatures, which are very they have no arms. They just have giant legs and they look like these serpent things. The final fight between Kong and the big one is he disembowels it by reaching his hand reaching down inside, its throat yeah. and pulling its guts out. I, I can't. <laughs> your, your skin is impenetrable, so I'm going to make your insides your outsides. <laughs> That's how I'm going to win this. That was a hard PG-13. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm surprised it wasn't 
are. I felt so bad for when I was in that theater to the family with little kids in front of us, especially when the skull crawler vomits up the corpse of that one guy. Yeah. (laughs) I agree. I was like, whoa. I mean, I I remember, yeah, I remember as a kid, Jurassic Park was the the first PG-13 movie I saw. Same. And thinking how that's like PG-13 and this is PG-13 things. And not for the better, the ratings have gone in a worse way from our, from a moral perspective, but, but yeah, it was, yeah. And I've only seen it pro- the one time. So it's, and I didn't get a chance to rewatch it before this, but yeah, I remember really enjoying that one as well. And yeah, before I need to go back before the next film comes out to revisit all these. Cause yeah, that's, there's a lot of fun. You're there yeah. to see, and it's good that they're getting these like big name or like decent cat caliber casts to be the humans that you don't really care that they're there. Like they're just that little bit of flavor and along the way and not to knock, I think Shia LaBeouf is a fine actor, but yeah, the Shia LaBeouf from transformers is not the best and it's not all his fault necessarily. It's just the dialogue and such, but it's just, it's, I feel like they're just their caliber. These films caliber is much better than the similar type of thing in the transformers or whatever other big franchise involving like giant things and humans. I can't think of there's any other ones, but you know what I loved about Kong was the, and what I love about the monster movies in general is there is a very strong theme of amongst the humans, at least friends and family. Yeah. Like there is obviously in the first Godzilla, it's very much a family, like trying to get back to each other through the course of King of the monsters and Godzilla versus Kong that you have the family stretch between those two movies and what happens with the family dynamics when it breaks up and the problems that causes and the sticking together and in Kong Skull Island. I like the theme of friendship that runs through both the unit, the Vietnam folks, right? The U S military folks, but also the, the original world war two American fighter pilot and the Japanese fighter pilot. Who at the very beginning are like literally at each other's throats, <laughs> one with a sword and the other with a gun, <laughs> and they get stopped by Kong. And by the end of the movie, you find out that they were the best friends one could ever have, kind of a deal. Um, I, I liked that it went to or it had those core kind of themes behind it. And I think it made the occasionally bad dialogue and, and, and the human stuff far more palatable. I love that the fighter yeah, pilot it, got home. I loved yes. that. That was brilliant. Yeah, it's funny that now we're with King of the Monsters and a, I'd forgotten that. I forget the actor's name, but he's always going to be Coach Taylor. I forgot that Coach Taylor was in that because I was my wife and I were watching. We watched Friday Night Lights right around when King of the Monsters was coming out. So it was like the whole movie. I'm like, it's Coach Taylor. <laughs> he's a good dad in that and good dad in, in, in these films. So he's just a good Good dad energy there. King Kong has always been the most humanized of the giant monsters. He's always the giant monster with a heart. And they've they continued that both in Kong Skull Island, but I think more so in Godzilla versus Kong, where they give him the relationship with the young deaf girl, this kind of friend, you know, that he has. And they always want because Godzilla like. He's hard to identify with. He's a giant lizard who breathes fire, but a giant radioactive. Who doesn't, you know, who really doesn't connect with the humans at all. No. I guess he's the only bit of connection you really get is with Sirizawa in King of the Monsters blowing the nuke up. There's that little bit. How much did Godzilla really connect with them? 
Yeah, I felt like with Kong, they definitely, you get that sense of Kong as a character. And the whole lore thing of there being a war between the Kongs and the Godzillas, I want to see more of that, which I assume we'll get more of that in the upcoming sequel. But that's, and the axe made out of a Godzilla spike. the spines. Yeah. Yep. I love the fact that Kong effectively, he's part family with some of the humans, but then also they turn the quest into him finding his family. Now, granted, he comes to find that he's pretty much the only one left, but a, a lot of his, them trying to get him to go down the hole is telling him that his family's down there and that you get the feeling that unlike maybe some of the other super creatures who are reptilian or insectoid or something else, <laughs> whatever they are. Birds. Yeah. <laughs> the Kong really is, he is a giant primate effectively. And so the concept of family is important, right? Amongst mammals, for the most part, you're always going to find exceptions. But primates more than a lot of the other mammals. And that being a driving force for Kong, I really liked that. I liked that that, and that made him way more humanized than a lot of the other creatures. Mm. And it continues that through line you were talking about of family being like the theme of this series. And we could see in the next one, we could see Godzilla may have found, or Kong may have found is some surviving group of apes, the giant apes somewhere and maybe taking a a wife or a mate and (laughs) starts having little Kong babies to, they they could do Son of Kong, which was, I think, 1934, where uh, it was an albino Kong. That was pretty cool. But again, I think yeah. Universal owns that, so they can't use it. Yeah, they could, but they could do something similar of having him having raising his own little children, and then all of a sudden he has to team up with Godzilla again, and maybe Godzilla has little Godzilla. Yeah, Son of Godzilla has been a thing. So I, I'm actually, I, I think they will do it eventually. Um, another theme that's run through a lot of the Japanese ones, and they also continue in this series, is the idea of sort of man versus nature. When you saw, you saw the, they had the eco-terrorists in Godzilla, King of the Monsters. And then in Mechagodzilla, you have this idea where the people behind that Apex Corporation feel humanity is threatened in its role as the dominant species on the planet. So instead of trying to understand these monsters and what they do and that they'll normally leave us alone if left to their own devices. No, we just got to hunt them down and kill them with this giant machine. It's like technocratic ideal kind of taken to its ultimate hideous extreme. But who had the stupid idea at that company? They're like, hey, you know what? We'll have the robots brain patterns be those of the demon dragon from outer space that tries to destroy the earth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's almost anytime you need that contingency plan to fight your good, your ally who could become a bad guy. And then that ends up blowing up in your face. We see that in DC with like Superman and Superboy, except Superboy's a clone. And when he gets his mind, he can go crazy and <laughs> do bad things. So maybe we shouldn't have done that in the first place. But yeah, I, I didn't I, I should have suspected they would throw Mechagodzilla into that film because they don't want I know they don't want to really answer the question of who would ultimately win, Godzilla or Kong. 
because they they don't want to yeah. have to answer that. So I, I think that would that would cause too much fan drama. Yeah. <laughs> like, that that's like you end your potential future things with Godzilla and Kong because you could always have them have a rematch and then in the future and future properties. But if you do like definitively have one beat the other, then you, know, you close that loop in some ways. Right. Even in the original 1963 King Kong versus Godzilla, it's a draw. It ends in a draw. There's no definitive winner. They just need to do the Rocky three style punch out of the freeze frame. Go down. <laughs> but I felt they handled it well where Godzilla kind of wins against King Kong, but then Kong gets to beat Godzilla by defeating Mechagodzilla. So they both give each of the monsters a win, and I felt that was well handled. It sidesteps a lot of the fan drama that would no doubt explode. Yeah, but and then you obviously there some Kongs had to beat some Godzillas at some point because yeah, there's yeah. the bone the bones, assuming that it's not just a skeleton that they are a dead Godzilla they found like I'm assuming it's much cooler to have a Kong having a war of Kongs versus a war of Godzillas and having the gods having the Kongs at least have some victory in it to make an axe out of <laughs> yeah. the spine of a Godzilla so. and that it can deflect the atomic breath yeah that's yeah. that was so cool yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah and it was going with it I'm like that's what that's for <laughs> <sighs> yeah it's so cool I just yeah yeah, I'm hoping the the daughter from the, the last two movies is like the main female lead in the in this coming one. Because yeah, we've seen her. She's she's a little girl, and she's used as a okay. We need to keep her safe in the first movie. In the second movie, she goes on her own like crazy adventure with her friends and and a conspiracy theory nut, which was just a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> and then in this one, I assume she's going to be like one of the lead people with Monarch or the scientist or something. So um. It's been interesting watching the characters evolve in What's-His-Name, the Japanese scientist who's keep blanking on his name. Shirazawa. Yeah, Shirazawa, be a connector in the films. It reminds me very much of Jurassic Park. They've got that one, I don't know if he's Japanese. Malcolm. Yeah. Oh, Dr. Wu. Dr. Wu. Jurassic movies. Oh, yeah. yeah, and he just slowly, he's just... I don't know if he's in two and three. I think he's in three. I'm not sure if he's in two, but he just keeps showing up mm -hmm. and yep. slowly connecting yeah. all the films together. <laughs> yeah, I forgot the daughter was played by Millie Bobby Brown. Yeah. So yeah she definitely could be like a that kind of main take the lead scientist, whatever kind of role. That would be really cool. Yeah. The next film, which is supposed to be next April, it, they've gone full on Japanese Godzilla film with the title. Because it is Godzilla X-Kong, the new empire, is the name of this movie. Which, that that's like straight out of Godzilla Tokyo SOS, one of the Japanese titles. That That is, I don't know what to expect. There is, I think I have the log line here. I don't know if you want me to read oh, it. Oh yeah, here. please. So it, this is just from Wikipedia, but it looks like this is from the... Yeah, the synopsis or logline is from like over a year ago, so who knows what's changed. But it says it follows the explosive showdown of Godzilla versus Kong with an all-new cinematic adventure pitting the almighty Kong and the fearsome Godzilla against a colossal undiscovered threat hidden within our world, challenging their very existence and our own. The epic new film will delve further into the histories of these titans, their origins, and the mysteries of Skull Island and beyond. 
while uncovering the mythic battle that helped forge these extraordinary beings and tied them to humankind forever. Wow. Okay. Gonna be Cthulhu. <laughs> Could be. I'm wondering, yeah, are they gonna pull another monster from canon or are they gonna invent their own unique threat for this movie? Because there are a few other monsters who could fit the bill, but I feel like they're going to want to invent their own unique creature as like this primordial threat thing. Yeah, I don't know. Um, They could do Destroya, but he's too tied into the Oxygen Destroyer device, so I don't think they'll use him. Could be Barugan, but he's too obscure. I'm, I'm trying to think like back in my head of the, the other villains from the Godzilla movies who they haven't used yet. Ghidorah and Mechagodzilla are the, the big two. Yeah. I'm, I'm wondering because they did. I don't know if you guys, I think it was called Underwater. The movie that came out a couple years ago and it had the, the gal from the Twilight movies. And effectively, it was like they were part of some mining company at the bottom of the ocean, and they get cut off from the surface, and they have to walk on the bottom of the ocean for nine miles or something to get to the rescue ship. (laughs) And in effect, I don't want to spoil it, but they encounter a lot of stuff down there. (laughs) And I'm wondering, yeah, I I don't know whether it's good or not, (laughs) because I've only watched those parts. (laughs) But yeah, I'm wondering if they're going to bring in something from some of the other because it it's it, it doesn't seem like they could use any of the monsters from King of the Monster because those are all they basically said they're all more or less subservient to Kong. And so, yeah, it's a really good question. Like when and when I always think about like the the deep dark monster that's hiding in the the earth, I always go to Cthulhu. Cthulhu. <laughs> and he might be in the public domain, so they might be able to use Cthulhu. He's yeah, he I believe the original story written by Lovecraft, Lovecraft is in the public domain now because his he is on the line like his stories. Um, and I want to say about 10 years ago, we were about a quarter of the way through his stuff. So we're probably through quite a bit of what he's written. Um, the problem is after he wrote stuff like most of what we consider as Cthulhu mythos or is actually written by people who are not Lovecraft or people who came after him and built onto his stuff. And all of that is not in the public domain. Yeah, I just hope they don't do something like where it's like they find that the original villain that is everybody has to fight against is God or something, oh, <laughs> something oh, like that. Oh, cool Star Trek Five, yeah. Yeah. right? God or like Starship. Isn't that what basically <laughs> happens in Eternals? I haven't seen it, but is well, God the Eternals, the no. Eternals in that one are like they're just a race of they're like a super advanced race of aliens that are responsible for creating galaxies and like basically continuing the universe and but for new eternal to be born like a planet has to die basically and then the eternals is about the they're kind of soldiers who decide to like they love humanity and decide to rebel against and to to try to save humanity from that impending death yeah there's a series in the comic books that if i remember correctly it explains why galactus exists because he effectively goes around destroying because the I think they're called celestials oh yeah celestials, celestials. Yeah. yeah the eternals they're, are like the yeah like the warriors the celestials yeah. are inside of a planet and the the people the i'm trying to remember sentient beings they're like 
give yeah, it they're its, like the psychic energy right. that it needs to emerge. Yeah, and eventually it emerges and kills everybody on the planet. And so Galactus was more or less put into motion to go around wiping out enough people from the planets in order to stop the Celestial from waking up. It was an interesting story. Like, you got to the point where, huh, huh. I should have been rooting for Galactus. Galactus, <laughs> Galactus was right. Galactus yeah, was right. Was yeah. Oh, speaking of comic books, there is going to be a MonsterVerse DC crossover. In fact, I think it may have already started. It's Godzilla and Kong versus the Justice League. Huh. I am very excited for that. Okay. I have been out of anger and spite, not buying a lot of DC comics <laughs> recently because of some decisions they made with a few of my favorite characters, mm. which I won't get into. But I am excited for that. And if I can, if I get, can eventually pick them up or read them on Comixology, I will, because I think that's a great idea. Having the Justice League fight Godzilla and Kong. And the other thing we've got coming up is in November, there's going to be finally a television show based on this series. Monarch Legacy of Monsters will be on Apple TV. If you had told 10 year old me that there would be like a live action show with Godzilla in it, I probably would have fainted or I wouldn't (laughs) have believed you. But yeah, that I definitely am interested in reviewing that when it comes out. So I'm glad that this series has legs and Godzilla versus Kong was one of the first movies after COVID that really did well. I feel like people just wanted to get back in, in, into the theaters again. And it had that luck to be that movie after a lockdown that everyone went and see. And I'm glad to see it continue. Did do you guys have any hopes or expectations for the Monarch show? Not really. Yeah, like I said, I've never seen the original stuff. and. So I've only seen the American side of things for the most part. So I don't really have anything, any expectations I'm, that I've liked all the films. So I'm excited to see where it goes. And you know, Apple TV is the three of us. We reviewed Foundation not too long ago. So oh, yeah. <laughs> and I I was on Silo a couple months ago. So Apple TVs, they're doing it. Yeah, I was on the uh, Ted Lasso so. one. <laughs> yeah. Good to go. I like their stuff. But yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm, but I'm interested to see, yeah, see where it goes. It's got, I hadn't watched the trailer. I watched it right before this and it doesn't really say much, but Kurt Russell's in it. Kurt um, Russell is in it. Yeah. I, I'm excited yeah, for that. Very so. interesting. I'm, I, I'm interested to see like how they do it. If it's going to be like, I don't know. And I'm, and I, my mind is always comparing it to potential other stuff. So is it going to be more like X-Files or more like Supernatural or more like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? What are we looking at here? Because <laughs> I really liked some of that stuff from some of those. And and so I'm curious as to how they're going to do it without... I'm just very curious as to how they're going to do it. If it's going to be sort of low-level stuff like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was, where it was trying not to steal any of the light from the MCU movies. Yeah. Or if it's going to be... Trying to just like touch on and exist alongside right or if it's going to be more like the current mcu tv shows which are supposed to be like in line with the movies and so i'm very curious as to where they're gonna put yeah i'm assuming i think it would probably will be fairly tied I, I think it'll be where unlike the mcu where you can see the next monsterverse film without having seen the show i don't know if you have y'all seen there's that netflix like animated kong skull island show i don't know if you i've not seen it i did not i don't see know much it, about it i don't have netflix anymore Okay. But yeah, I, I don't know anything about it really, but it's, yeah, I think it just started a couple months ago and it's been fairly well reviewed. Oh, saw, okay. So. It takes place in the 90s. Oh. I guess they arrive on Skull Island and it says they 
arrives on Skull Island, which is home to large creatures and terrifying monsters, including Kong. Maybe there could be some connections with the next the next film there, but probably nothing too too deep. No, the trailer kind of put me off. There, one of the quote unquote funny lines in the trailer was when one of the guys is like, "It shouldn't be called Skull Island. It should be called Not Great Island." <laughs> and I'm like, "Yeah, what? I think it's more. It's yeah, it's, I think it's geared toward." <laughs> It's geared toward the younger, younger audience, so it's it is what it is. There, well, that just wasn't even funny for kids. I was like, "What?" Well, <laughs> it's like bad funny. Maybe I'm just yeah. I should just turn my brain off. But yeah, <laughs> I don't have Netflix anymore. They canceled the Dark Crystal, and I got mad. Yeah, I'm still mad about that. <laughs> you need to get a shirt. Still mad about canceling Dark Crystal. Yeah. <laughs> But no, yeah, I'm excited. I think that there'll be a lot of time jumping in the series because we're because Kurt Russell's son is going to be Wyatt Russell is going to be playing Kurt okay. Russell's character's younger self. So I believe there's going to be okay. so we're going to go back to the 60s or the 70s and then also be in present day. I like how in the, the there's a there was a shot in the trailer where they're going through the airport and there's a Godzilla evacuation route sign, which is clever. I like that. We get to see how it's impacting the universe. It's like a hurricane evacuation sign. But uh, but yeah, I think there'll be a lot of time jumping and that could either be very confusing or it could be really good. I don't think we'll see a whole lot of Godzilla in it. I think they'll save him for those kind of big moments. I hope they I hope we get to see some new monsters, though, because I, I do want them to move away from always relying on the established Japanese monster cast and introducing some other new monsters like they did in the first film where you had the Mutos who weren't too interesting, but they were different. I hope we get to see some new monsters. We get some glimpses in the trailer, but you don't see enough of it for me to really make much out of it, except I think one's like a giant spider. Which could be Kumanga from the Japanese films, or it could be an original monster. Sure. Yeah, I, I imagine they're probably going to use a lot of them from Godzilla King of the Monsters. A lot of the monsters that just showed up in the background on news clippings and the TV newscasts and whatnot that you saw very brief glimpses of. At least that's what I'm expecting. Yeah, and maybe they'll bring in some of the like the characters who were in King of the Monsters, like on this, this the science team, maybe some of them will make an appearance, or we could see them explore that under that Hollow Earth civilization where that worship Godzilla. We could see more of that, or yeah, I don't know. It'll, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, and I definitely plan to be here for both the new movie and for the series because if it's not yet plain to people listening to this, I'm borderline obsessed. <laughs> obsessed you like this stuff just a a little little too much (laughs) from you're the guy from pacific rim who has the is obsessed with the kaiju you're like these things actually these things killed millions and millions of people and but you're like (laughs) i'm not saying that oh yeah but it's yeah because that guy in pacific rim was supposed to be the kaiju geek the guy who can't get enough of but yeah it, it has such a tie to like deep childhood memories that it's funny because i was into this stuff before star wars before lord of the rings so for me this is the deep nostalgia so i'm i plan i'm with monsterverse to the end 
And I just can't wait to see where it goes. But until that time, and yeah, we have talked for nearly an hour and a half (laughs) about giant (laughs) monsters destroying cities. But remember, guys, we had to cover four movies. So (laughs) it's a bit of a tall order, but we'd like to thank a moment to thank all of you and especially our patrons who have made this podcast possible, including Alexander R., Alex C., Joshua J., Jackson F., and Lee V. Their generous donations allow us to continue to create the secrets of movies and TV shows and all of the shows here at StarQuest. And you can join them at sqpn.com slash give. And now we'd like to hear from all of you. Are you also kaiju fanatics? What are your (laughs) thoughts on the MonsterVerse films? Are you looking forward to the new Monarch series on Apple TV Plus? You can let us know all these things. By sending us an email at secrets at sqpn.com or by commenting on our Facebook page or on YouTube or on Twitter. And you can visit the StarQuest Discord community at sqpn.com slash discord. Until next time, Jeff Hecker, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of the MonsterVerse. Thank you, Thomas. And Patrick Mason, thank you as well. And thank you both guys for enduring my madness. Uh, You're very welcome. You're very welcome, Thomas. This was a lot of fun. (laughs) And once again, I'm Thomas Salerno. Thank you for listening to the secrets of movies and TV shows on StarQuest. Here's another show on the StarQuest Network you're sure to enjoy. PlayStation Portable. Find it wherever fine podcasts are found or at starquest.fm slash PSP. We'd like to thank Patrick McCaffrey of Moonshadow Studios for editing this episode. To have your audio edited professionally and with care, check out more of Patrick's work at moonshadowstudios.biz. That's moonshadowstudios.biz. 